with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12, we'll be back here again tonight. We, we started here yesterday morning. I love that song. I love just thinking about God's faithfulness and, and His goodness running after me. You know, God's been chasing me. The goodness of God's been just haunting me all of my life. Not haunting in a bad way, but in a good way. Just chasing me. The, the psalmist said it this way, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the Lord's been doing that for me, and I'm so thankful for that as we look to Luke chapter number 12. If you're able to stand as we read God's Word tonight in reverence to the reading of it, would you stand with me if you're able? If you can't, certainly keep your seat. The Lord would understand that. Thank you again, church, for allowing us to be here, and it is a real, real pleasure to have Brother Sister McCauley with us tonight. Thank you, guys. We're so excited about them coming on board, and I pray all the time that God will send us strong people and uh, strong men and and uh, he's, he's done that, and, and we're, we just can't wait to see what God's going to do there. Amen. And we appreciate you being here. Luke chapter number 12. The Bible says in verse 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So was he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Father, we ask you now, as we continue on in this message that you will speak to our hearts, I know this is not the most palatable preaching we've ever heard. Lord, it's what you put on my heart, and it's what's in order. And so, Father, I pray the Spirit of God will deliver it to our hearts in a way that we'll receive it, that we'll accept it. No doubt there's some folks here that are dealing with this matter. I don't believe you would have impressed me so strongly to preach it. So, Lord, I pray that you accomplish the work that you set out to, and all of us will yield ourselves to thee. We'll allow the Spirit of God to, to, to check every closet and crevice and nook and cranny in our hearts. And if there's an area that we've, been, we, we've shut you out of, that we'll allow you to, to inspect it and take a look at it. And Lord, may you accomplish what you desire. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. There's more to life than this. This thing that we chase, this thing that the world all over seems to think that life is all about. What we, the job that we have, the career that we have, the status that we achieve, the things that we're able to buy, and the land that we're able to purchase, and all those things are wonderful things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. 
God's not against that. I'm not preaching against it. I don't think the text is against it. The problem is when we don't have those things, the problem is when those things have us. And again, I know these aren't the most uh, exciting messages. These are not the things that we would, oh, wow, we're going to hear this message. Oh, what a barn burner it's going to be. But if we'll really listen, I believe God will speak to our hearts. We talked about a selfish request on Sunday morning and a stern warning. But tonight I want to kind of get to the meat of the message. And that's the sad story that we see here with the rich man. The sad story. It says the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He, he, it was so such a plentiful crop, more than he expected. He built a barn expecting one thing to happen, no doubt based upon the amount of land that he had. Based on what he thought he could produce, he would have built a barn that would have stored that material that he thought he could produce based on the amount of land that he had. But what happened? Not only did he produce all that he'd ever hoped that he could produce, but it was a banner year. He produced more probably than he ever did before, more than he ever expected. And now, all of a sudden, this overabundance of, uh, of crops has caused him a big problem. I mean, the overabundance didn't really help him. In fact, the overabundance actually hindered him. Now, sometimes God, I believe, allows us to have things and gives us an abundance with the idea to allow us to do some good and to help some folks. But if we're not careful, we lose sight of it when God does that because we have our mind and our eyes set on other things. And so we miss that opportunity and that blessing. And certainly we're not, we're not insinuating that God gave this man. This is just a parable about a fool who never gave any thought to God. But God calls him a fool. It's a sad story because the fruitfulness of the earth is a great blessing. But it's a blessing to which God gives plentifully to, to good men and to wicked men. And sometimes it's a blessing and sometimes it can be a snare. But I think he does it this way so that we don't think that his favor or his love is, is measured by those things. What his cares and concerns were when he saw this crop, instead of thanking God for it or rejoicing in the opportunity of maybe helping someone, he afflicts himself with the thought, what am I going to do? I mean, this created a real problem for him, a, a, a sleepless night problem, a what am I going to do problem that would have occupied his time, that it would have been the most important thing in his life. Money doesn't necessarily solve his problems. It creates new problems. We could say to this rich fool that the, if, if you can't rest when the small barn is full, you won't be able to rest when the big barn's full. This is what he said. He said, this will I do. It's the wisest course I can take. I'm going to pull down my barns. Really? Is that the wisest decision you can take? You're going to just tear your barns down and build new ones? I mean, certainly there would have been a better, wiser investment than this. But he, no doubt he, may, he probably makes a hasty decision. 
And he wants people often make these quick decisions without really consulting God. And they think, man, this and you couldn't talk any sense into them because they've made the decision. They're going to do it. I bet if anybody would have tried to have changed his mind, he wouldn't even hear it because he decided it was going to be done and it was going to be done. And this is what he was going to do. Uh, and so, so God calls him a fool. It's folly. It's folly for him to call, number one, the fruits of the ground his fruits and his goods because they weren't his all he did was plant the seed and certainly he would have had a servant do that but it was God that gave the increase he seems to also lay a pleasing emphasis on the fact that it's his and uh, not understanding that God has lent to us everything that we have and that the property is still God's and we're but mere stewards of what he's given us he said this he said I will say to my soul I will say to my soul. It's interesting. He uses the word soul there. And again, this is Christ here. This is Christ teaching. He said, I will say to my soul, but the soul considered as an immortal spirit, separable separable from the body, was no way interested in a barn full of corn or a bag full of gold. You realize that that will never satisfy the soul. It can satisfy the body. For a while, there's some temporary satisfaction. If we're not careful, we can be guilty of tearing down the barns only to build bigger ones. Have you ever been in your life, had a discussion with your wife, and and maybe you guys were young in your marriage, and you said, wow, if we could just get this right here. If we could just get this thing right here, I mean, this would do it. If we could get this house right here, uh, you were in your starter home, uh, or maybe we could just get this car or this place, and then and you worked hard, and you got the place, you got the house, you got the car, and it was good for a while until what? Until you saw another house or another car, and, and you said, well, man, if we could just get this and, uh, and, and we said, God, if you'll give me this, I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied. And God does exactly that. And he gives us what we ask for. But then when we get what we ask for, then we still want more because the flesh is never satisfied. It always wants more. So we have to be careful. But God calls this man. Uh, he says, thou fool. God said unto him in verse 20, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Now why does God call him a fool? Because he deemed life of secure and abundant earthly enjoyment the summit of human felicity. Jameson Fawcett Brown had that to say in their commentary. I want to read it again. Because he deemed life of secure and abundant earthly enjoyment the summit of human felicity. That means intense happiness. He said this is the thing that makes life life. This is the most important. This, When you get to the top of the mountain in life, you're going to get to where I'm at right now. That's what the rich man would have said. And the other thing, he would have said this. Also, he possessed the means of this through prosperity in his calling. He flattered himself that he had long lease of such enjoyment. Not only did he think that the the most important thing in life was this, he also thought this, that once he filled the barns again the second time, then he was going to sit back, eat, 
drink and be merry and be able to do nothing. And he assumed that he had all the time in the world to be able to do that. And for those two reasons, I mean, he didn't do commit some heinous crime. He didn't do any terrible sin. He didn't commit adultery or kill someone or murder someone. All the man did was tear his barns down and build bigger and say in his mind what he's going to do. But God said, you're a fool because this night your soul is going to be required. Then what's going to happen to all those things? When we were growing up in the 80s and the 90s in, in rural West Virginia, and there just wasn't a better place or a better time to grow up, Say amen right there, preacher. Amen. They used to have these commercials. It was back when TV was actually really better than it is now. It still was trash, I'm sure. There was, there was these two dummies. They were the crash test dummies. Anybody remember the crash test dummies? And they're driving down the road, and they're, they're putting their seatbelt on. And uh, each is on uh, the driver and the passenger. They're putting their seatbelt on. They're talking about, you know, why. And it was a time when they were trying to get everybody to wear seatbelts. Because before this time, I mean, when I was a kid, you didn't wear a seatbelt. My mom and dad had a wreck when I was like seven years old. And uh, they were driving 55, and somebody come over across the yellow line. They ran on over. I was standing up in the seat between them. I vaguely remember rolling upside down and going down there. I don't know how in the world I'm still alive. Maybe that's what happened to my head. But, uh, but we didn't wear seatbelts then. But this, these guys were trying to encourage you to wear seatbelts. And so they're trying to put the seatbelt on, and they're headed towards this wall. And, uh, and they, they let the seatbelt, and it flings back up, and they don't get it hooked in. And they crash into the wall, and it would say this. You can learn a lot from a dummy. And I want to say to you, church, tonight, we can learn a lot from a dummy. And I want us to learn some lessons from this fool, lessons that God wants us to know. You know, the, the sudden cutting short of his career is designed to express not only the folly of building securely upon the future, but of throwing one's whole life and one's whole soul into something that in, at any single moment could be gone. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Here's an example of someone that did that. Thy soul, look at this, shall be required. He was like, he wouldn't have wanted to have given it up. You know, a good man who's, uh, who has his heart with God, a, a Christian who comes to the end of life, they cheerfully resign their soul at death, but a wicked person, uh, a violent person, it's torn from them. It's a terror to them to think about leaving this world behind because that's all they know. This man lived without God and died without God and his wealth was but an incident. God gave him the character. God said, you're a fool. You're a Nabal. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Maybe he never said there is no God. Maybe he wasn't a theological atheist, but he was a practical atheist because he lived his life in a way that there was no God. And so practically, he said in his heart, there's no God. If he would have thought there was a God, he would have made some other choices. So he lived as a practical atheist. But greed is the logical result of the belief that there is no life after death. You, you catch what I'm saying? If you don't think there's anything after this, 
The logical result of that is try to grab everything you can grab while you're here. Because that's, that's what you think it will be the pinnacle of your existence is what you can grab, what you're here, if you're a person that doesn't believe that there's something after this. But we're not those people. We don't believe that. We believe there is something after this. And so we don't live that way. We shouldn't. If we're wise, there's some perils to prosperity. I don't even have, we don't have time to go into the perils of prosperity. We're going to skip right over them or we're, ne- or we're never going to finish this. And if I tell anybody we're back here tomorrow night, I'm going to be the only one here. The preacher probably won't even come. I love this. Christ said, who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Isn't that interesting? It could have said, who shall those things be which, which thou hast, hast in thy possession? No, no, it, it, it's not. No, he said, here's what you've been doing your whole life, Mr. Rich Fool. You've been, you've been storing it up. You've been planting it up. And here's what you, you're going to give it to somebody else when you leave now. And, and here's the question, Mr. Rich Man. Who are you going to give it to? Who are you going to provide all your life's efforts? Who are you going to give that to? You don't even know. Worked your whole life to amass things. And you don't even know what's going to happen when you leave. I mean, all of us have heard the stories of children getting an inheritance of their fathers and doing what? Fighting over it. Tearing them apart. Because they don't know what to do with it. God doesn't say the things which thou hast possessed because the whole question of the tenure of his property is open for the rich man. He had said my fruits and my goods, but now his proprietorship his ownership, rather, is ignored. He thought it was his, but God knew it wasn't. It's the leaving of all those things behind which they have provided, which they have labored for and prepared for hereafter. With, with their abundance of toil and care, all that they've placed their happiness in, built their hope upon, and raised their expectations from, Matthew Henry said this, they will leave it behind. Then he makes a searching statement in verse number 21. Thinking about the parable of the rich fool, the Lord says this. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. It's easy for us to also fall prey to the same illusion that the rich man lived his life under. That this is what it's about. Wealth can be enjoyed and employed at the same time. If our purpose is to honor God, to be rich toward God means spiritual enrichment, not just personal enjoyment. This man had success, satisfaction, and security. Rich with God. We could talk about true riches, but here uh, he has no true riches. Uh, he has, uh, there's, there's the riches of God's favor, which is life. Precious faith, good works, uh, the wisdom that's, that's better than rubies according to Proverbs chapter 8. But of, according to the true riches, he lives and dies a beggar. But then Christ gives us quickly tonight, and we'll be quick, the, the secret of true success. He said, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself 
and is not rich toward God. Look now at verse 22, though. And he said unto his disciples, therefore. Now, therefore what? Therefore, after what I've just told you, after what's just happened, after this man come and said, hey, divide my inheritance, after I've given you this parable, after I've told you the story, now in light of that, I want you to listen to some truth that I want to tell you on how to be successful. Look at what he says. He says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you, by taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? And if you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Number one, Secret to true success, don't worry. Trust the Lord. Christ was not dealing with foolish fears, but with practical concerns. He's not dealing with what about to do with a barn. Is too- no, no, he's dealing with what? Food and clothing, the basic necessities of life. He's saying, look, don't worry. You don't have to worry about the basic necessities of life. And what do we spend our time doing? Worrying about the basic necessities of life. And he gives us examples of how he takes care of the the birds. And they don't even have a storehouse. He just, every day, he takes care of them. Now, we understand we're not to be uh, stupid as as we go through life. But at the same time, we don't have to spend worry, worry. Our cares are fruitless. They're vain. They're insignificant. It's folly. It's foolish for us to indulge in them. It won't gain our wishes. We can worry all we want. But it never brings us the thing that we're worried about. That English word worry comes from the old Anglo-Saxon word that means to strangle. It doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, Corey Ten Boom said. It empties today of its strength. So don't worry. Look with me at verse 28. Consider the lilies, 27, I'm sorry. Consider the lilies, how they grow not, toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If, if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow cast in the oven... How much more will he clothe you? And here we get to the heart of the matter. O ye of little faith. Number one, don't worry. Number two, trust God. Trust God. Have faith. He argues from the lesser to the greater. If God feeds the birds, then he's going to feed his children. If he beautifies the plants that grow up one day and are cut down the next, then he's going to clothe his own people. The problem is not his little power. The problem is our little faith. Warren Wiersbe said that. He said in verse 29, Seek not, and seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Number three, don't do it like everybody else. You see what he said? He said, This is what the world does. This is what the rest of the nations of the world do. But hey, that's what they're supposed to do. Because they don't know any better. Because they don't have God. 
They don't have the provider. They don't have Christ, but we're Christians. We're not like the world. We don't have to do it like they do it. We don't have to worry like they worry. We don't have to chase it like they're chasing it because we have God who's told us that he will provide for us and that he's on our side and we can rest in his provision. So God wants you to be a maverick. Unorthodox or independent-minded person. Originally, it was an unbranded calf or a yearling. A maverick. Let's not act like we've got the world's brand on us. We don't have to live like that. The rest of the world, they're going to live in fear. They're going to live with worry. But we don't have to. All these things, that's what the nations of the world seek. Seek, am I a Christian or a heathen? Am I a baptized believer or not? Shall I rank myself with the Gentiles or join in their pursuits or act like one of them or take their brand? Or will I stand apart and be a maverick and do it God's way and trust Him and the rest of the world scratch their head and wonder, what in the world is wrong with you? How are you doing this? He said this, he said, uh, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, but your father knoweth that you have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you realize the context now of which this verse that we love so much was given to us? Make what's important to God important to you. And then God will make what's important to you important to him. We could preach, but I want to finish. But rather seek ye first the kingdom, or seek ye rather the kingdom of God. And these things shall be added unto you. 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now look with me in verse 33, and we'll conclude in this verse. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heaven that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, Use what you need, but don't consume it all upon yourself. I believe Christ is giving this statement, looking back to the rich fool. What could he have done when God filled his barns up? What could he have done with that abundance when he wasn't sure what to do? I'll tell you what he could have done. He could have applied verse number 33. He could have sold what he had and gave some alms and provided some bags which wouldn't wax old and built up some treasure in heaven but he didn't do that and so he died as a fool and he died as a beggar and I said that was the last statement but I've got one more I lied I'm, I'm going man if we went if we was at a football game and we went to overtime you guys would be fired up right if we were in a baseball game, we won extra innings. I mean, nobody, everybody would be like, wow, this is the greatest game ever. But we do this in church, man, and uh, I'm not going to be walking off. They're going to be walking off, so I, I'm going to finish. Good. Understand that the heart is not the leader. It is a follower. We see it right here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, here's the thing. You're never going to wake up one morning and your heart's going to be telling, oh, man, you need to give more to missions. It's never going to tell you that. (laughs) 
you're going to have to tell it. Yeah. Now, it, it doesn't want to do this. You, everything within you wants to reject everything I'm telling you right now because it goes against the grain of everything that you think to be true. But I'm not telling you my opinion. I'm telling you, thus saith the Lord. I'm telling you what God said about it. Now, here's your choice. You can follow your heart. You ever watch a Hallmark movie? I like to do the over-under on how many minutes it's going to be before they say, follow your heart. I give it about 15 minutes. I take the under. My wife takes the over. Usually it's like 11, 12, 13, right in there. They're going to say it right there. If you do that, you are not going to apply any of these principles. So then what am I going to do, man? This is what you do. You take God at his word, and you begin to invest in the things that are important to him. And you consistently uh, accept and believe and obey and give and submit. And then all of a sudden, you'll be kind of into the things of the Lord. And you'll look back there and you'll think, what's this behind me, following me? And you say, oh, that's, there's my heart. It's right there. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I had a lot of stories that I wanted to share tonight, but I'm going to close with this one. There was a Special Olympics. I forget what year this was. It was a 400-yard dash. And there were nine contestants. And they were physically or mentally disabled. They had problems. They all got at the starting line, and they, they began to run. And, and uh, but one little boy didn't go very far. He stumbled and fell, and he hurt his knee, and he began to cry. And the other eight, they're, they're out there running. And this, this poor guy, he's back there. You know, he, he was just a few yards away from the start. But uh, it's funny. The, 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 the children, the other eight, heard the boy crying, and they slowed down, turned around, ran back to him. Every one of them ran back. to They, they got him up. They picked him up, and they linked arms around him, and all nine of them uh, kind of helped this boy, and they all crossed the finish line at the same time. And when they did, everyone in the stadium stood up and clapped, and, of course, the parents of those kids would have probably been a, a, a teary mess. They cheered for a long time, and this is why, because deep down we know that what matters in life is more than winning for ourselves. What matters to life is helping somebody else win. If you can't watch a video like we saw tonight and be willing to part with something that you've got, if you have to, to be able to give. I think the heart of God for us is to trust him you, you said, hey, we need to do certain things, God. We built the barn. God filled the barn up. Don't tear it down and build another barn. Now with the abundance that God gives you, give. Give to missions. Give to the <coughs> ministries of the church. Give of your time and your treasure and your talents. And let's not die as this fool died and have nothing. Nothing to show. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. As the pastor comes, will you speak to our hearts? And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, you come, please. Amen. We'll have this, have this come from Canada. But I'll...
I'm not going to be worried about time. Um, I heard B.R. Lakin say many times that we'd have revival if we get rid of the clock and the calendar. I do understand young ones have to get to school tomorrow, but I'm going to just, Brother Ron, you're here, and uh, this goes along. I couldn't help but I want to share my conviction tonight. What you're talking about there, when you come across people that have this mindset that are rich towards God, you know it. And when you get around someone like that, that lives by the principles of God in this way of giving and living a certain way to follow this principle, when you're around them, if you see it, it's convicting. For instance, uh, many of you have been around greatness, and I can think of one man and wife, and I want to share a little story with you. When I was here, I wasn't here long, and... Uh, of course, I've known Brother Scotty Drake, and you, you know him better than I do, him and Miss Barbara. And um, if you know Brother Scotty and Miss Barbara, I personally believe they live like this. Their whole life is consumed with being rich towards God. Now, I know that in little ways because when we go, used to go, and we would go to these meetings, Y'all wouldn't, half of us wouldn't stay where he booked us. You say, why? It's just a night. But I want to tell you something. My first year here, they were here, and we were riding around with them. And I don't even know what was going on. I don't know if you remember Miss Laura. And uh, maybe it was in a van. I think there was a large group of people. And all the women was in that van talking about how beautiful those big houses were. There wasn't nothing wrong with that. And I'm sitting there, and Miss Barbara turns around with me, and you have to know Miss Barbara. And she looked at me and she said, I wouldn't want that house. She said, could you, could you think of how many churches could be started with that? Now, when she first said that, it, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's awful super spiritual. She meant it. Now, if I just hear anybody talk like that, you're going to have the same. Super, oh, that's just super spiritual. She meant it. You know, I've watched her lives for the last 15 years. When we sit in those board meetings, it amazes me the people that are rich towards God and where money just shows up for the mission. I mean, you know what I'm talking I'm sitting there, I'm convicted by it. So here's the question. Do we all believe that there's more to life than this? Then let's be rich towards God. And like I said, it might not happen overnight. You might not have the same idea that Miss Barbara does, and I understand that, but I will promise you this, God will help all of us to give more to his work. Let's stand our feet. I appreciate you preaching the message, Brother Ron. He started this on Sunday morning. I didn't say that to uplift Barbara and Scotty Drake. Every time I get around people like that, I get convicted. But we should just not get convicted. God ought to use it like a message like this and people like that, that we can trust God. Yes. Let's give. And let's do what we can 
Because, listen, there is more to life than this. Souls are worth it. Amen? With head bowed and eyes closed tonight, can I ask, how many of you know that the Lord spoke to your heart about something tonight? And like he said, it might have repulsed you. That's good. Because conviction, don't follow your heart. Let's just obey the Lord. Amen? Where's our heart? We're in the middle of our mission conference. Do we have a heart for the Lord? Let's be obedient and have an open heart for him. How many of you know the Lord spoke to you about something? Maybe it was minute, maybe it was small, but you know he spoke to you about something. Would you raise your hand? Would you ask God? They're going to play. Let's just find a place. You come, find a place in the altar. Let the Lord have his way in your heart tonight. Just let him have it. Just say yes to him. Because he is so right. we got to be careful what we listen to our heart. We have to guard our heart. we truly get a glimpse and we really by faith realize what's important we will live rich towards God Jesus' name. 
Amen. And all God's people said. Now see, if you'd have missed tonight, you'd have missed the blessing. So how many of you glad you're here tonight? How many of you gonna be back tomorrow night? Amen. All right. And uh, how many of you gonna do your best to get somebody else to come with you and uh, call somebody that wasn't here tonight and tell them, hey, you missed a great message, missed a great music, seen some great. But here's what you have to tell them: watch it online. Amen. But it's not like being here. Y'all have a great night. Colleagues, thank y'all for being here tonight. And God bless all of you. Be back tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Gentlemen, y'all want to go to the back? Let folks shake your hand. Now, is this going to be the last time we have? Yeah. yeah. These two will be leaving tomorrow. So, we'll talk about it tonight. We love y'all. We're glad you've been with us.